0: Before we start the broadcast of the Waterfield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral, and they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts, or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy Chris Kamara, and
1: you are listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are
0: unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening from wherever you're listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson, and welcome to episode 87 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. After a three-week vacation, we're back on the airwaves, and it's great to be back before... Um, before yourselves and in front of us But before we introduce our guest for today Let me pass over to my co-host as always My dad Lee Robinson, welcome dad Hello,
2: hello, and thank thank you, and welcome back to uh, this week's podcast after a few weeks off. Uh, this week we go back to the two thousands to a gent who's played. He's actually played over five hundred games at first team level over a twenty one year career. The team he's played the most games for is Uda Trinity. He's played one hundred and eleven times in two spells between two thousand and eight and two thousand thirteen. This week we it's a warm welcome to Oliver Wilkes. Oli, thanks for joining us this week, mate. No, thanks for having me.
0: Excellent, mate. Right. So, I mean, we've just had the magic weekend. Did you manage to catch them through Football League over the weekend, Nelly?
1: Yeah, I got uh, got most of the games, uh, all by one, I think. But um, I, did, I, I enjoyed it. I watched it from the sofa. Um, you know, time and kids and stuff like that. I had a chance to get up to uh, a magic weekend since I've retired.
0: I know. It's, I mean, obviously, I know. I know you've got a few clubs you probably watch out for in terms of ex teams, but it's it's, uh, it's rough doing for for Wakefield at the minute.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that, and. Um, you know, when you're behind the eight ball and you're struggling, um, it's very difficult to get out of that rut that you're in. Um, I see you brought in David Vefita. Um, he, you know, is he going to make a massive difference? You. Well, you could say yes. Some, some uh, of the pessimists would probably say no. Um, but it's, when, when, when teams are struggling, it can, be, it can be a lot more deep-rooted than that. Um, whether it's finances whether it you know and w- once you get in that habit of losing it becomes it becomes very difficult to get out of it and you know i'm sure after a few wins um uh, you, you might get a bit of a, a run going and and that little that's all it'll take because lo- just like uh, losing becomes a habit and so does winning
0: definitely so wise words mate wise words um we we asked the same First question on every single podcast, Oli, and I'm going to fire it over to you as well. What, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity?
1: I have a lot of good memories with Wakefield, and uh, the nearest I ever got to a Challenge Cup final was with Wakefield, uh, I can't remember the year. I think it might have been 2008, maybe 2007, when we played Hull FC in the in, in the in the semi final down at um, down at Doncaster and. You know, I always think of that moment. Uh, but then again, uh, when I was surplus to requirements at Wakefield, uh, I came back to Wakefield and uh, caused a bit of a nightmare in the Challenge Cup for Wakefield. Uh, we we you know, played for Lee and we won 36-30. Uh, but there's been some memorable games uh, and I've had some memorable times. And, you know, my favourite coach of all time that I've had uh, there's a guy who signed me uh, pro- professionally at Sheffield Eagles. John a junk here. Um I admire him a lot. Um, some people say that he's not a good coach, but God, he'd get the best out of any player. The way he could, the way he could motivate a player to get the best out of him, like he uh, was brilliant at that. And I, I think I always paid, played my best rugby for John Keir. Um, yeah, so fond memories of playing under John and, um, you know, a great bunch of lads and a nice place to live. And my son was born in Wakefield as well.
2: Oh, Nice one! Yeah, yeah, we've we've had uh, we've had over eighty interviews since we've started, and there's not many people have a bad word to say about John Keir. So you are not have many who's uh, who speaks highly of him. Uh, are you yeah. a Cumbrian, lad? Did you grow, are you are you born and bred in Cumbria? Is that where you? I thought? was born in
1: Lancashire. Um, that was only because me uh, I, Well, I, I was early uh, an early baby, and we got rushed off to Lancaster from Kendal, uh, and I was born in Lancas Lanc- Lancaster. So I'm a Lancastrian at birth. Uh, but I lived in Cumbria till I was eighteen, uh, and then I signed for Sheffield in nineteen ninety eight. Eight days after my eighteenth birthday, I moved to Sheffield.
2: Oh, excellent! Yeah, yeah. What was it like growing up in Cumbria? What are you, What was it? What's your memories of uh, your first eighteen years up there?
1: Oh, my first eighteen years it was rugby, 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 and
2: the,
1: um, yeah, you know, I started playing at five years old down at Ulverston Rugby. Um, over some wasps they were called back then and uh, I started playing the youngest age group was under nines and I started playing at five Um they used to put me on the wing for the last five minutes and stuff like that and one time I went off the field and started picking daisies I was bored <laughs> so it just goes to show how, how young I was but um yeah it I reap the rewards from that and it's very similar environment to what my, my son's in now the age group's pretty strict he's eight years old but he's a big lad a September baby uh, and he, he's finding it a little bit easier in his, in his age group but it uh, uh, won't go up in age group because his mates aren't there you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I, I think for me it was playing with the older people I always played above my age group a couple of years behind and I was getting my head battered in for years uh, and I find it's the big, the big lads who are big when the kids tend to drift away from the game because they're they, they don't have it tough until they start playing with the misters. So <laughs> Did that's you, a John, John Kears quote, that as well. playing with the
2: misters now. <laughs> Did you follow the game as well? I was playing up there. Did you support anybody?
1: Yeah, well, uh, at the end of the day, it was like 80s, early 90s. Every, every, man, every man and his dog up here was a Wigan fan yeah. or a St. Helens fan because Les Quirk, who played for St. Helens, was a local lad. He's just down the road. Uh, so it was either Wigan or Saints And whenever we went to watch a game as kids It would generally be uh, a New Year uh, Boxing Day derby With Wigan and Saints And uh, fond memories of that growing up um, I remember going on holiday And watching w- Wigan on telly Against Brisbane Broncos When they won the World Cup Challenge over there mm-hmm. I think that was nineteen ninety. 1990... No, it was not 94? Was... 94, 94, 94.
2: 94, yeah, I was 14 but, Yeah. Yeah <laughs> So did you, like that, with, did you play with Ulverston
1: all the way through to signing? Pro? Yeah, till I was eighteen, uh, I did actually. In between signing for Sheffield uh, and leaving Ulverston Overstone Rugby, I, I played one game for Askham just because they asked me they were short mm, and they, yeah. they asked me to play. I remember I can't remember who it was against. It was away somewhere. Uh, got man of the match. Uh, moved to Sheffield a few weeks later.
2: Why Sheffield? Uh,
1: it's a long way for an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, well, I was playing for Cumbria against Lancashire uh, under 18s and we played at Steve Deakin's Oldham St Anne's. Mm-hmm. And after the game, Steve Deakin approached me and said, uh, "My name's Steve Deakin. I'm from Sheffield Eagles. Uh, we're going to be in touch with you about interest. I mean, we're interested in signing you." Uh, so, came up to uh, Cumbria the following week to watch us play against Yorkshire. Um, had a similar performance and then the rest is history, really. I ended up moving to Sheffield two months later, packing in my trade as an electrician.
2: Yeah, that was my next question. What did you do as a trade before you uh, came down to Yorkshire? Yeah, well,
1: I I was a pre- I was in my second year as an electrician and, um, you know, naively, as a kid, you think you make it and that. And I, I fell behind on my college work. I was supposed to go to college in Sheffield and I didn't do that. And that's probably a massive regret. But then again, I'm not in that field anymore. Uh, I'm not on the tools. I'm a I'm a safety guy. So, um, I'm a, the heaviest thing I lift is a notepad these days. So,
2: <laughs> and record show you, I, I, I you only played one game for Sheffield. Did you stay there for two years or what? I was there. Yeah, game? I was there for two
1: years. So, like like I said, I played for Ulverston, Askham, GB, uh, under 18s Bala uh, We went to France. Uh, and then shortly after they won, the, oh, I went down, to uh, London to the Wembley on the, um, the reserves of the academy bus. When we stayed in the same hotel and we enjoyed that celebration. But fortunate for me, it was my 18th birthday, second of May, 1998, uh, which was a great birthday present. The club had signed for it just won the Challenge Cup, so yeah. all my dreams had come true. Um, yeah, and then that's that's why I ended up going to Sheffield. To be fair. What was that question again you just
2: asked? You only played one game in two years. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. So, end of that year, um, I was fortunate enough to get my Super League debut. It was the last game of the season, I think, and it was against uh, St. Helens, and it was live on Sky. And, um, you know, I'd only been at the club from May, so we're only talking five months, uh, four months at the club, uh, before I got my Super League debut from playing amateur. So, quite fortunate in that way, but, God, it was an (laughs) eye-opener.
0: Who did you play opposite that day, do you remember?
1: Uh, Roughly, Paul Wellens. I think it was his second or third game in Super League. Um, Paul Anderson, who was assistant coach at Lee for a while. He was in the centre. Chris, uh, sorry, Paul Newlove. Anthony Sullivan. I think it might have been Danny Arnold on the other wing. I'm trying to wrap my brain. Apollo Perolini, Vila Metautia, Chris Joint. Uh, Kieran.
2: Yeah, man, we've got the Sean team in Long. front of us, so you're going well. We've got the team in front of us, so you're going well. Oh, have you? Yeah. Uh, can't remember who was in the uh, the other half halfback though. Cal Hammond, Sean Long.
1: Kyle Hammond, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I got knocked out on that game. So the, <laughs> Paul Davison played another Cumbrian, and I remember him being this big, absolute giant of a human. And me being an 18 uh, year old young lad. Tall ranger, yeah, but with 93 kilos at the time, so it was pretty light to be in the forwards in the Super League, especially back in that back in that day. And uh, there was a dropout and da- I waved like the come on sort of like at Paul Davison who was steaming in off their, their own 40 meter line. I jumped up for the shoulder charge, which you're allowed to do then. Uh, and his nose hit me right on the side of the head there. The nose, his nose went everywhere and I was fast asleep. We lost the ball. <laughs> Probably the only highlight of that game to, co- to come out of that was it got top tackle in the league express, but it said unfortunately Wilts came off considerably worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at least you, at least you can't do. you, you semi remember it, or do you remember the memories of? Well,
1: I had the video; it was on Sky, wasn't it? So I think I've still got it laying around on, on VCR somewhere. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, I do remember it. Uh, it. That was before it was all the head assessments and stuff like that, and um, I had to carry on playing. We were out with it was six uh, four subs. Six interchange, and I think we'd used them all at half time, so I couldn't come off the field. I remember Sean long shoulder charging me a few minutes after being knocked out, and I was all, all over again. I was in Disneyland, but uh, as it was back then, you just play on um, uh, sponge that's just been on somebody's open wound on on your head, and yeah,
0: you remember the score from that day, Oli 52 0. Yeah, 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 he want, he want the great. Doing it's not a memory; it's a scar. <laughs> but exactly, it still stands out to you. And it, not, not many other players will have that type of debut. No. <laughs> and then, not obviously after that, you had you had a, a, a great period of time where you got some vast experience at some big clubs. Tell us about that period. You know, Sheffield, Huddersfield, Keighley, Lee, Whitehaven, up to Wigan as well.
1: Yeah, well, got, I'm glad you've got an hour because it does take a quite a while this story. So. <laughs> Sheffield ended up merging with Huddersfield, as everybody's aware of. Uh, That was in 2000, I think, and they called themselves Huddersfield-Sheffield Giants for a year. So my contract was a two-year one at Sheffield, so I'd done that and then I signed another two-year deal uh, to go into the Huddersfield-Sheffield Giants. Obviously, with Sheffield rebranding, they they dropped the the Sheffield name and they went back to the Giants, Huddersfield Giants. The first year at the Huddersfield Sheffield Giants, I played. I think it was six games, uh, and the following year I only managed one game. Yes, I had a couple of injuries, and um, I don't know. At that period of time, I was a young lad, a bit disillusioned, and I did a lot of things wrong. You know, uh, I probably didn't train as hard hard as I should have done. Um, A bit disgruntled in some areas, and there was a changes changes of coaches, and you know, Tony Smith came in and. You know, it was very much like. He probably hate me if you're saying this if you ever got to see this, but it was a school teacher approach, approach with reverse psychology mentality, and I, I, I wasn't like that. John knew how how to get the best out of me, and that was like blow smoke up my bottom, and um, and yeah. Granted, if I'd done something wrong, tell me where I went wrong. But it, I, I just felt with Tony, it was, it was very very difficult, and yeah i didn't help myself in any way that's you know it's uh, i'm not saying tony's a bad manager of players you know he's been the, one of the best coaches in the world for a long time and then following that i got released at the end of the uh, 2001 season and ended up i'd gone on loan towards the end of um, it was just after bradford we got stuffed Huddersfield just feel we got stuffed by bradford 80 points to 18 or something like that down at uh, valley parade uh, and then I went on loan and played four games for Keithley, and I, I enjoyed it. It was like the love of the game was back, and you know, you're getting the praise and scoring tries and, and that. And Steve Deacon was coach, funnily enough, at um, Keithley Cougars. Because it's funny how players, uh, coaches move around and they take players with them, and um, it, you'll see you see it happen so so often. And then following that, obviously, I was at Keithley and. Uh, the first year was a, a tough year, and then the second year we we got promoted. Uh, we won the grand final in two thousand and three. Okay. Uh, following that year, um, ju- uh, the coach of Charlie Lynx, it was at the time Darren Abram, would played against him like four times, or oh, his team four times, and then he got the lead job, and he'd seen me play four times and took me to Lee with him. Like, you know, you see, see a player and you think, oh, he could do a job <laughs> for me. and I uh, ended up going to Lee, then we got promoted into Super League and had another year in Super League. But unfortunately, at uh, the Super League season, I think I was the first person to be sent off in 2005 as well. Stiff arm yeah. crab of crabtree of all people. Yeah, could have been like someone smaller. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, then I got injured. I just kicked my shoulder, I had a shoulder operation and... I came back and I, I thought I was doing all right. And then, unfortunately, two sides got removed at Super League that year. It was Widness and Lee. And, um, because they, they they shrunk the Super League, if if I'm right. If that's how I remember it, anyway. Yeah. So I ended up, uh, for the first time in my career, trying to just get as much money as I could. And so I signed for Whitehaven, which was a decent salary. It was part-time. It gave me a chance to uh, work as well. Um, I was only there for a, a number of months. I did the preseason and I played six games. Uh, I think it's been well documented that anyway. But, um, I, after six games, I signed for Wigan, which was great. Ian Wilwood was absolutely buzzing. Um, sold the club to me really well, and it, I didn't go for the money. I went for the opportunity, and uh, you know I was on less money than I was when I was playing at Whitehaven. It was. It, it, like it had nothing to do with that. I was a Wigan fan growing up, and um, I wanted to play for that club, and I, I'd done it. And you know, there's a few arguments on upturned noses noises of that, but I, I did it in the end. And unfortunately, like well, Ian Millwood was a coach. Uh, he ended up getting the boot. Brian Noble came in, uh, and unfortunately, six people had to make way on the salary cap to field and salary. Okay. So I was one of the lads that went out on loan but I'd signed a year and a half deal or just over a year and a half deal with Wigan Um, and this this is like if I'd have known what I know now I'd I'd have never I'd have never done it I'd have just sat it out but come the end of the year I'd played at Witness for the rest of the year on loan and it was great I enjoyed it we got to the grand final unfortunately we lost against OKR. but then Brian Noble said to me, if you come back to the club, you'll be coaching kids 9 till 5 and training with the reserves at night. I was 27 years old, 26, sorry, 26 years old, coming up 27 and like that's the last thing you want to hear. So basically, it frightened me out of the club without getting a payoff. Um, I should have stuck my ground and they'd have paid me off uh, the following year and that's knowing what I know now. Uh, if you didn't want me, they would have paid me off and they had to make way in the salary cap, but that It's not the kind of thing to tell you at the time. But that was a disappointing end to my Wigan career. You know, I I was so looking forward to it. And, you know, I I had six games there and I thought I did all right. And Millwood says you're doing great. You're going to have a good career here. And then he gets a sack, which is is a bummer. But then, unfortunately for me, I went to Widness. It was a long drive. I was travelling with Keith Widness and uh, they were full time. So I was doing that every day, which is 72 mile uh, each way. Uh, and then I ended up signing for him the second year, obviously, because of the, the situation at Wigan. And I didn't look around anywhere else, to be fair. I, I was actually enjoying enjoying my rugby, and I, I thought I was playing OK. And I think, I, well, I was 27, that is, so 2007, 27, the year I turned 27. Moved into the front row uh, from the back row. and th- This was... My future from then on, uh, all that time I'd been a second rower up until uh, going to witness where I was a front rower. And I probably had one of my best years there as well. I think I scored 18 tries in one season as a front rower. And it was like, that, that was a bit of a shock to me. One hat trick, I think. And then mm-hmm. uh, the follow—the following, that year as well, sorry, we, we uh, got to the grand final and lost to Castleford. Unfortunately, witness went bust, so none of us got paid for the rest of the year from following that game. Uh, And then John, John Keir, the savior, sent me a lifeline. He signed <laughs> me at Sheffield. He saw potential in me and knew I was playing all right and gave me an opportunity at Wakefield. And I had two good years. So that was seven and eight, no, sorry, eight and nine at Wakefield. It was in 2007 and eight, if I remember um, right. Yeah, nine. Eight and nine. Eight and nine. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Ten and eleven were in London. So yeah, John Key like gave me the opportunity to play at the club and I loved it. And I think I was in my prime as a as a as a rugby player at that age. And um John had started me in the second row and then moved me into the front row when one of the front rowers went off. So it was like he had like a double edged sort of like Package with me, he could play me in the back row. When a forward got tired, he'd put me into the forwards and then the forward would come back on and I'd go off and have a rest. And And that's how it panned out. And like I said, I enjoyed, I enjoyed my rugby. And I think it was from leaving Wigan, uh, I didn't miss a game for three years. Um, two years at Wakefield and then uh, one down in London. And then the second year in London, I missed one game. And then I went back to Wakefield and I, I barely missed a game when I was back at Wakefield for that two years. But the reason I went to London, the re- re- reason I left Wakefield, had a, uh, and it's financial at this point. Um, I'm getting towards an age where I think, oh, you know, I'd had two good years and I'm at an age where where I thought I should be earning a bit more money than what I'm on. Some of the lads taking the Mickey, Danny Bruff being one, are still on apprentice wages. Which I always found quite funny, but you know, I laugh it off. I was playing rugby because I loved it, and it wasn't really for the money. But when another club comes in for you, because you'd had a good one, good game, uh, Brian Brian McDermott offered me uh, like I think it was twenty five thousand pound more than what Wakefield were offering me, and uh, I discussed that with my wife, not together anymore, divorced, uh, and. Uh, we, we agreed we'd go down and live in London our, our first child was born down there Sophia um, and then two years down in London and I don't know what was going to happen there I was in contract negotiations then Wakefield came back in with what I asked for when I left so I came back to Wakefield because I love the club uh, and then two decent years two alright years uh, we can say you know, changing the coach again, a lot of new players come in, but there was still a lot of the, the core squad that was there when it was there before. And like I said, I, I'd enjoyed it. And, you know, I had a couple of rough times under Richard Agar. Um, you know, I, as vocal as I may sound, and uh, I always like a laugh and that, and I think it was a bit of an easy target in videos. And was it deserved? Rightly so, some of the things that were said. But I just felt like... Uh, um, I started in feeling a bit, a bit annoyed with myself and like losing a bit of love for wanting to play because a coach can make you feel like that. And like I said, John Key was a, if it was John Key the coach, he wouldn't have had me feeling like that, you know. Because uh, you see that in people, and I think it's a coach a good coach. A good coach will see what makes a player give his best or what makes a player. Um, uh, achieve the best his potential can offer, and I always thought John was good at doing that. And there was a few coaches that I've had that they're technically fantastic coaches, but they won't ever get the best out of the players because they don't nurture the players in the right way. So, following that, obviously, I came surplus to requirements at Wakefield at uh, the end of thirteen. Um. I nearly signed back at Huddersfield in Super League but then Lee came back in and Derek Beaumont I've known him for a lot of years uh he offered me a job because I'd studied me safety health and safety i had done an ebosh whilst under RL cares and then um he off, like I say he offered me a job and um uh, part-time rugby uh, full-time work which was something that I knew I was gonna have to have to do to progress my career in city like after rugby um so that I could, you know, it, going from like a, a professional rugby player salary to a, a, a low salary is, for any man or for any person working in any environment, it's a difficult challenge. So I think Derek threw me a bit of a lifeline there. I'll be forever grateful to him when we're still friends. I still do a bit of work for him on the safety front as well. So it's a, a good relationship that we've got. And, and like I said... I'm I had gone to Lee, and we were, I was playing part time, and then uh, they went full time the following year, and I was humming sort of and hawing over it. So Derek said, "Well, why don't you work part time and, and play full time?" So I was travelling over from Wakefield to to Lee seven days a week. Uh, it was an absolute, it was an absolute chore. And then I, again, I started getting a bit tired, and I was thirty five at this point, and uh, still playing. I was skipper of the club, and I think the only the only thing that I learned from all the coaches that i would had, when you get made captain of a club, um, you can help the coach out by getting the best out of the other lads by approaching him or talking to him or trying to make them feel good. Uh, picking up some, uh, uh, giving him a, we'll call it a shit sandwich, you know, picking a, and saying something good about the game, wrap that round something that, the, that I, you'd think was a, a, a weak point and then say something good afterwards and, do the same sort of thing in safety. <laughs> but, and that's something that I have taken from being into safety as well. It's benefited that role as well. But then you'd get, you'd see somebody, and it's great, Joe Bullock, for example, when I was, I was captain at Barrow, Joe Bullock at Wigan, I, I convinced him that he was the hardest runner of the ball mm-hmm. I'd ever seen. Next thing you know, he's running through people for fun and it's like, I'm not going to take credit for that. He'd done it for himself, to be fair. Yeah. You know, or maybe he just needed a bit of motivation or sort of a uh, friendly a friendly comment and for me that's how I felt I needed it and then I'd pick pick out players who 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 played under me or saying under me as as a captain or with me and I was their captain I'd, I'd, I'd try and try and nurture them and, and see see how they would react to if someone need if it was somebody who needed a, t- a good telling off then yeah that'd be their the way of dealing with them but it might get them mad up and you know, I'll have the best game ever. But like you say, it's learning how people, different people react and that. And I, I still think to this day a lot of coaches fail in that area by um, it's it's about them. But to be fair, I don't know if Richard Agar will see, that, see this, but he let me for saying it. I remember him coming off after a game and saying, you guys won't get rid of me. You won't get rid of me. Believe you me, I will get rid of every single one of you before you get rid of me. But it's me, 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 me. me, me. And that to me was like, it's not about you, Richard, it's about a team. You know, we stick together. You, you build you build your your team and you're you're a family and a tight-knit unit. And and that was probably the, the the only experience I had of that in my in my whole career. And um don't get me wrong, I get along with Richard A. I think he's a technically a great coach, but it's about getting the best out of your players. And like I said, I don't think uh, there's certain coaches that will ever get the best out of the players because of the
0: way they are. I think it's one of them things as well. You've had so many coaches over your long period of time as well. You, you can pick stuff from, from other areas, but just rewinding slightly over to just before you came to Wakefield, what did you learn from that period of, from Sheffield, ended from Sheffield to Witness just before you came? What, what did you kind of take from that period of your life going into your first spell at Wakefield?
1: Well, still, all I ever wanted to be was a, a Super League rugby player and, um, there was times when I was low and I thought that was it. I'd failed, I'd missed it, and then I got another opportunity. But it it wasn't until you, you get a little bit older and you think you've got to work hard, you've got to work hard, you've got to make sacrifices, you've got to stop doing this, you've got to stop doing that. And For me, it's like you just... Don't get me wrong, there's talented young lads who are dedicated athletes and uh, right from the start. And, you know, one of my biggest regrets is not being as dedicated as I was when I saw sense, if you will. And and what, what them ups and downs taught me is it in and out of Super League, them ups and downs taught me I, I'm just a piece of meat. I'm just, if I don't train hard, if I don't work hard, if I don't give my best week in, week out and, and at training, I'm not going to do what I want to do. So to get, it's like anything in your life, if you want it, you've got to work hard at it. No one will give you anything for nothing. And you know, and you see a lot of players who come through natural ability and never had to like break a sweat to be amazing players. Uh and then they start playing with the mis- misters and the, a few years later they're getting found out and they're disappearing at super league at 22, 23, 24. It's like when it gets hard, they disappear because they've never had to work, they never had them ups and downs. And they, you know, I'm not saying everybody should have to experience that because there is. A lot of talented, successful, you know, dedicated professionals out there. Um, But when you're not as good as the rest and you need to work hard to get what you want, then yeah, I was a prime example.
0: (laughs) So, 10th of February 2008, Oleg, you came to Wakefield for the first time and you made your first debut against Bradford Bulls at home. 26 24 win. And another another thing we like to do on the podcast, mate, is um, is quiz our guests on their first ever game for Wakefield, and they're starting for seventeen. They were a part. Well,
1: of. I didn't even know that was <laughs> the uh, my first game for Wakefield.
0: There so. you go. So well, I mean, we, we can help you out. I mean, Dad's got a million and one records in front of him already. So you started on the bench. So you you came off the bench. Can you name any of the starting seventeen alongside you when you beat Bradford in that on that day?
1: Um, Jason Dimitri, Adam Mateen, Sam Obst.
0: Adam Martin uh, didn't play that day So, JD started 13, Obsty started seven. Right.
1: Oh, I'm trying to think he was the who uh, was the other front rower <clears throat> Oh, Corky, he was he he was there, wasn't he? Michael Corky he does all oh, you know he was at Cass. He had gone yeah, to cast, yeah. hadn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um Blair Meyer, Black, Scott Griggs. Um to no be lad, that day. Was he not playing that first game? No, no. Right, because he came from witness with me and Blanchy.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah. Blanchy wasn't there
2: either. I don't know what's going on there. Must have. I think Blanche, been... Blanche got injured in the pre-season friendly. Uh, right,
1: right. Uh, what's the blame? I'm trying to think you, the centres. God, these guys will be cursing me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm say we've had a couple of them on the podcast as well. So we've got we've got Matt Blamey fullback, the wingers Paul Riley and Luke Peter Jones. Fox. Luke George. Yeah,
1: Luke like, George. Helping, Big I'm Luke
0: just going to have a drink, sorry. No, it's fine. Centres, Tony Martin and Ryan Atkins. Bruffy and Obstie in the halves. Uh, yeah. Front row, Ricky Bybee, Brad Drew and Richard Moore. Of course. And then a back row, Dale Ferguson, Brett Ferris and JD. I
1: didn't think Brett came to the after. I thought of him.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then uh, coming off the bench for you, Big Kevin Endo, Tevita Lilatu and Danny Schoolthorpe.
1: Danny Sulford, holy moly. Yeah, so yeah. We, we turned well,
0: I've them over that pick, day, I've so... got a team photo of that somewhere. If I'd have known, <laughs> I, I'd have got it out. <laughs> go. But again, obviously, we, we turned him over that day. Do you remember much about your, your first debut for Wakefield?
1: I've just said I don't remember even <laughs> who it was we were playing against that game. And uh, You know what? Yes, yeah, some are memorable, aren't they? And, um, I think... <laughs> We, if it was beating Bradford, that would have been the first time I'd ever beaten any Bradford team in my whole career. So I should have remembered it.
2: And the, the Bradford team were normal. Sam Burgess played for Bradford that day.
1: Yeah, um, I probably know more of that team than... Yeah, yeah, that pack was Did pretty special. Was it, aye, so Stuart Field and Paul Anderson, Joe Vagana. I remember tackling Joe Vagana on the try line and John Kear being absolutely amazed that I'd stopped him right on the try line. I remember that. <laughs> I didn't think it was my first game, but I remember that. Uh Deacon, Henry Paul. Yeah. Uh, obviously Field and McDermott Anderson. Uh, Jimmy Laws would have been at nine, surely.
2: No, it was Terry Newton. Um,
1: Terry Newton. Because we played them at what year was it? We played them at uh Murrayfield.
2: Oh, yeah, you're asking. I have to dig through.
1: Was um, oh, that the same? Year? Oh, no, because it was Cardiff, at Castleford were the first two yeah, times you yeah, played in the Morifield. That around. might have been in your second spell. Second spell, it will have been, yeah.
2: Because mm. yesterday yeah. I was playing in this Bradford side then.
1: Right, right. Oh, well, I'm struggling to remember anymore. Aren't <laughs> yeah. Graham Bradley, I think they're that ginger fella, that ginger Paul,
2: fella. Uh, Paul, Sykes. Paul Sykes He's still playing now this Sykes, season, yeah. 30,
1: I, I see him I, uh, obviously I played with him down in London and uh, I'm still in yeah. the London Broncos WhatsApp group Well, oh, yeah. ex-players WhatsApp yeah. group
2: yeah. Uh, I know the other, the other ones that stand out Jamie Langley, Glenn Morrison Jamie Langley wow. ben, ben Jeffries on the bench as well Jeff, ben Jeffries And we have him You did, Ben. And then we signed Morrison the year after. Well, what were they thinking? You've already (laughs) mentioned this, because this is the 2008 season. That was the season we got to the uh, Cup semi-final. We we started off well. We were flying. We were fourth in Easter, fourth by June, collapsed to eighth, but got to the Challenge Cup semi-final. Yeah, Yeah, Matt Peterson. We had him as well, didn't we, Matt Peterson? Did he come a bit later on? Yeah, yeah. He came later on in the year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, Wow. I do remember it. I remember because uh, I got injured at Bradford the week before that game, that, that semi-final, and I hurt, hurt my ankle. And it, I think Chris Nero would tackled me if I
2: mm-hmm.
1: if I can think on. Anyway, I, I, I had all these painkilling injections. I was on the bench for the for the whole game, and I was thinking, oh no, it's over already. We're twelve nil down. Awesome, was it? Did they get up to eighteen? Maybe 18, And, 18, 18, no. and I remember, uh, I think it was Matt Peterson or Blanche leaping like a salmon and catching a ball and dropping it and scoring in the corner but Ricky Bybee to God rest him uh, turned around
2: to me and went see it's not over Wiltsy <laughs> <laughs> but it was yeah it was we got Ahmed really didn't we yeah 18 I think it was 18 nil in the first 10 minutes and we, we gave him to too win. much of a start didn't we, and, yeah, uh, we did what it was it. the final yeah. score 26-18 or something it was about 30 odd hang on a minute it's oh did he go that high yeah he got to 30 I must have switched <laughs> off yeah <laughs> Um, 32 twenty,
1: thirty-two, twenty-four. he got to thirty-two, twenty-four. Well, oh, I missed two tries, I did switch off I missed two tries yeah. at the end, yeah.
2: that's all them head injuries <laughs> <laughs> That's the same season, in that off season When Adam Quittin passed away, how did that affect Team morale or you personally? I remember driving To, or getting a lift To Manchester airport
1: Because I was going out to Australia uh, With Scotland And the Grixie rung me up and he says, have you heard? I says, no. He said, what's he's passed away? And I, it, it was like someone had just thrown out. I was like, getting emotional thinking about it. But, you know, if someone who could, you know, such a nice human, you know, and I didn't have a bad word to say about him. And he, mm-hmm. it, to get that shock, yeah, it hit me very, very hard. And I think... That, it's never a good time for something like that to happen. But I think looking back, I would have said at the time it happened, we made it easier to deal with for the players not being at the club or around the club or around each other at that period of time. Because I just don't think it would have been bearable.
2: Because mm-hmm. uh, it
1: was very difficult as it was. And um, uh, Obviously, I can't imagine what his poor family went through. But I do see Moana is... Uh, his wife on uh, face on Facebook, on Facebook uh, uh, from time to time and got his son's absolute double of him. Is he? Yeah, absolute beast of a human and absolute double of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: was that the end of the World Cup? You said were you on your way to Australia? Yeah,
1: just on the way to Australia. Yeah, with Scotland and um, probably one of the highlights of my career. To be fair that um, we will we. we, we we lost the first game against France only just and I managed to sneak a meat pie in there. my um, the first ever Scotland try and it was in the World Cup. Uh and then we played oh god, who did we play after that? Oh, we played Fiji. Yeah,
2: yeah. at
1: the Blue Tongue Stadium, uh which New where I think where Newcastle played. Uh but not far away from where the Hendoles are from.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then we we beat Fiji. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was Scotland's first ever World Cup win, and uh, lucky for me, I managed to sneak over for the winning try. Yeah,
2: man, much as much as
1: Steve, as much as Steve try to talk the video ref out of it, it was more of a try than most of them have ever scored. I was <laughs> over the line, or the ball was on on the ground. I was celebrating, finger in the air. The guy Ben Fisher running towards me, celebrating. Yeah, you could see the ball was well over the line. Steve will try to talk me out of it, but he never got his way, thank God. No,
2: no. Yeah. Was the, was the Tonga you played Tonga next? Was that one game too many? Oh yeah, do you know what? The it was over, wasn't it? For the Scotland had got the win, they got their highlight. Yeah.
1: Um that game, it was a dead rubber, it was a ranking game. Um, yes,
2: it, was, it was. I think
1: we were more interested about going out after that game, to be fair.
2: <laughs> yeah, we got absolutely annihilated 54 0, I think. 48 48 it was Not 48, no 48 now yeah good stuff mate. so that was 2008 2009 so sort of your second season at trinity um again you won a bad season we've got in the playoffs we started off we won six out of the last we won six out of the last eight finish you know what long. i'll
1: tell you something about that john
2: kear we got to a point in the league and i think we might have been sat at
1: like eighth maybe or, or seventh and John created, he had a top four, so the top four clubs at the time, so you, you, you can probably rattle them off the top here: Bradford, Wigan, Saints, Leeds, at the top. And it was, So we created our own mini league from a point in the season. And I think we topped it by the end of the year, we topped our yeah. little mini league.
2: Uh-huh. But
1: the the start to the season wasn't as great, so we ended up finishing fifth in the league, like you say, but unfortunately we lost, lost in the first round of the playoffs. I think it was to Catalan. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, And we've but talked man, to a few people about that, that That Catalan game, hardly anybody turned up And the atmosphere was dead, you know, it was live on Sky About 2,000 turned up Well that's why nobody turned up, because it was live on Sky Yeah, probably was <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah Well, well you, 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 they, they wouldn't have had any fans there So, no. you know with, with it being on telly, was it a Friday or Saturday night? Yeah, Depends Friday it, night Friday night you know, I don't know what the what it is now nowadays. What's the best days to get a big attendance? Is it a Sunday? Is it Saturday? Is it Friday?
2: Yeah.
1: You know what else was on? There might have been loads of underlying factors with that, but again, we were still outnumbering their fans about five hundred to one. So there should have been a decent,
2: decent bit of support. But I think I remember rightly we just got blown away. I, th- I think uh, I think Bruffy pulled out before kickoff, or just he was injured. So we'd lost Bruffy, and we had to put Scott Griggs at six and we had to juggle the team around a little bit at the last minute. Yeah.
1: No, it doesn't any situation you get like that when you're re-jiggling and end, obviously everything went through Bruffy for a period. Uh he was the kicker, he was the playmaker, he was the orchestrator in chief, and he he's a talent, like he's a little shit, but he's a, he's a talented <laughs> young man. Um and I don't know if he's still playing now as long as he retired.
2: I think he's packed up at Bradford now
1: yeah I think he's packed up but uh, yeah definitely a pleasure to play alongside his sneaky little typical halfback <laughs> pretty pretty uh, small man's disease <laughs> as they say no but he's genuine he is yeah. a decent bloke he just loves taking the mickey out of people But and he's had a fantastic career but when you lose a player like that in your, uh, your squad it, it's a massive blow on a team it doesn't matter who you are
2: mm-hmm. you only get one of them at each club that's right.
1: Yeah.
2: And that was the year you then left and went to Harley, Harley Quinn's down London. Did you tell yeah. us earlier? Was it financial troubles at the club? No,
1: no, no, they just wouldn't offer me uh I obviously it all went through my agent. I didn't do any yeah. negotiating and uh, I don't know what the issue was with the club or not, but they, they offered me a lot, lot less than uh, what London Broncos offered London, mm-hmm. well Harley Quinn's offered me. So at that time it was you know it was an adventure for me uh, me and my wife, when we just got married at, at that time, but we just before we went down there as well. It was, um, it was a decent experience. I would mean, just... never left if I'd have got, you know, what I what I thought I deserved. Maybe I didn't. <laughs>
0: And and coming uh, into that second spell at Wakefield, Oli, you know at this point in your career, you're, you're you're more experienced than the vast majority of players in the squad. Did you kind of take that upon yourself as kind of the the veteran of the team to try and try and hammer home how important it is to to have these values and ethics of, of a rugby?
1: Player? Well, it was kind of a difficult environment to come in because they were rebuilding the squad and the, the, there was you know, Ali Laotiti, I was never going to tell him where where to go or what to do. You know what I mean? One, he was an amazing bloke and two, he was like, he's done it all in the game Uh, and there's other players that came in, you know, Tony Martin, Brad Drew was there. It's like these guys, uh, you know, influential, amazing players and, you know, I I still felt then, even at the age of 31, I was, I wasn't, as vocal in a leadership role as as I was when I went as captain at Lee and the other two clubs after that as captain. Uh, but yeah, it, there was a lot of big, strong characters there who, who, who were very vocal, and obviously, um, yeah, there was a, a lot of leaders, shall we say. Mm,
0: definitely so. Tell us about what it was like to be around Captain Kermo every day.
1: Captain Kermo? Aye, That's all right. And he's. Uh, <laughs> Um, he, he can play. Um, he's a good laugh. He's, you know, he's uh, like another genuine bloke, and he's uh, he's done a lot for Wakefield, hasn't he? And he's, he he started off, uh, I think it was Featherstone, and then he got Huddersfield, and it took him a while to establish himself. And maybe did it was he similar to how I was? I don't know. I've never had the conversation with him, but. Uh, he realised he had to work hard, and work hard he did, and fair play to him, credit where it's due, he ended up being captain of the club, I think following uh, Paul Southern leaving, was it, Um mm-hmm. Bluey, as we call him, yeah. um, you know, he's another guy, proper tough bloke, done it in the NRL, and it, I think being away from home in a different country, a different style of play, different weather, and it was... Uh, he, he really struggled, and he struggled emotionally. I think, and uh, mentally, I, he. You know, I, I remember having a chat with him on the end of the season, doing and he, he was so ashamed of himself. And I, I, I was trying to pick him up, saying, "You no, don't be ashamed. Mate. <laughs> Nothing to be ashamed of. You know." And it, it's very difficult to sit down with a mate and 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 listen to him be upset or feeling like they've let people down or themselves down. And I'm like, no, mate, you didn't let anybody down at all. You know what I mean, and that yeah, that it, it goes from one end to the other, and then one man's loss is another man's game. K- Kermo ends up being captain, runs amazing lines, he's got a good engine on him, soft as but he's uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's 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 been a good player as Kermo, and uh, like I say, he's a credit to Wakefield and surrounding areas, he's a fev lad.
0: I think the the emotive side you spoke about with, with southern is is a side of the game that a lot of people and fans don't don't really see or understand about, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, I, I'm probably one that I, I can comment on quite a, quite a bit, obviously because I suffered with mental health <laughs> um, following rugby and 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 had a lot of turmoil whilst I was playing, whether that be pressure from coaches, whether that being pressure from other players, or things that had happened and seeing things and. Uh, and, and being told and, and stuff and not knowing what's right to do and what's wrong to do or what's, what's for the best. And the mental, see, they've got state of mind and stuff like that now and um, mental health is supposed to be getting looked after, but it's so difficult to get a man to speak up and talk about mental health. You know, I'm okay, I'm fine. Yeah, don't worry about me. I'm all right. Are you all right? They'll say, Yeah, yeah, yeah you're all right. Well, if you're all right, I'm all right, and that's <laughs> and that's just the mentality of men, and that's what they do. And it uh, it can make you really, 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 really suffer. And when I when I finished playing, when I retired from working, and I found that you know you, every club you're at, you've got 35 mates every year, and uh, I'd moved around a lot, and I came home, and, and you know my mates had from school or married kids and stuff like that, and it's like you feel like when you retire, you feel like you've got nobody. And that's one of the hardest places and the biggest holes that you'll ever have in your life. Uh, and I found it really difficult. Um and it, it had a quite a big impact on me. I've got stress-related alopecia and that's it's not optional my hit my skinhead, Lost it in my beard as you can see here. And um I had like I say I had a difficult time, but um it's all turned around for me, uh, with career and stuff like that now and um life's on track, which is great. And you know, it's it's a very difficult, touchy subject is mental health, and you know, it's you've got to be a very close friend of somebody for to get them to open up. But if they won't open up to the family, who are they going to open up to? You know, and sometimes men don't suffer in silence. You know, and and they do, they do, and they shouldn't have to. And uh, how,
2: did you, how did you deal with it? Did you open up to somebody?
1: Yeah, I spoke to my family. I ended up speaking to my family. Uh, a few things had happened in, in the in the meantime, which have uh, forced that out of me and forced me to have a bit of a crash. But you know, I sort of, sit, I sort of seek the help that I needed, and uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm still here to tell the story, and I'm I'm happy, and if my my life's going in the right direction. You know, but I suppose you've got to experience rock bottom to get
2: to appreciate the highs of life. Yeah, that's right. Have you moved back to Cumbria now? Is that why your yeah, working experiences came about? <clears throat> yeah, I moved back uh, in
1: July 2015. So I was still at Lee. So I traveled to Lee. Uh, I was full time down there. So I stayed down there. Managed, <laughs> lucky for me, I got to stay with Fu-Fu, my Moimo in his house for a while. But <laughs> um, well, he's a special character as well. Um, so yeah, 2015, I moved back up to Cumbria. I've been here ever
2: since. So yeah, eight years. I've been back. It's quite a while. You mentioned it earlier as well, in between you, Cumbria and Wakefield, you went back to Lee. You half mentioned it earlier. Do you remember coming back to beating us in the cup when you were in the second division? I didn't mention that before. I know, I know you did <laughs> Do <laughs> I remember it? No. Oh, yeah, it was on my list here. I know we was we were well to
1: be fair, it? every time um, Lee every time Lee played play Wakefield, they play that they play that uh, uh that clip of that try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the challenge Cup. I'll uh, never forget Kermo's half time incident. Ah yeah, we're going comfortably, yeah, yeah. We'll just uh, I think took the foot off the gas, didn't they? And it's there's nothing worse than like taking your foot off the gas or putting the queue on your rack at half time, which I feel like Wakefield did that day, and it you know, we weren't as good as Wakefield by any stretch at that time. Uh but we were hungry and we wanted it and we, we, we winning was habit for Lee at the time. Uh unfortunately. Wakefield were at the uh, on the receiving end of
2: it, was, oh. and I it. It was. Can I just apologise to everyone from Wakefield, please? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I just remember getting on a roll because it was like at the end it ended up 36 and i remember your halfbacks. There were Martin Ridyard and Ryan Braley You yeah. just killed us. He just got on a roll, and it was try upon try upon try, and we couldn't do anything about it. I just remember standing there and thinking. We just can't stop these guys. I think you had McNally at uh, full back as well.
1: McNally at full back, Bob Bezik at nine. I can remember that team. Liam yeah. Kay, Tom Armstrong. Might not remember the other. Oh, Michael Platt on one side. Can't remember his centre, to be fair. But I won't go through the whole team. But...
2: No, no, no. Yeah. Liam Kay was on the wing. I remember that. 30, yeah. 30 by my Gareth Hock at 10. Yeah. And talking about characters of the game, we've talked about a few characters already. Tell us about Derek Beaumont, because he all seems from the outside looking in, he looks a funny character. He looks eccentric, doesn't he? Yes. Um you think with his leopard print coat on and stuff like that. And
1: do you know what is he's, he's a guy who's come out of nothing
2: yeah,
1: and made himself a lot of money. Um but he's see, he's interested in making money, but he's interested he, he loves Lee. Right, he's a Lee fan. He's Lee through and through, and he's got he's got a bit of money behind him, and and he, he puts a phenomenal amount of money into that club. And you know, would there be a Lee without Derek Bowman? I don't believe there would be. But you know, it's would there still be a Salford if it wasn't for Marwan Cash? Mm-hmm. Would Warrington be where they are if it wasn't for uh, Simon Moran? You know, would Wigan have been what they were in the heyday if it wasn't for Maurice Lindsay?
2: Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: It, there's there's people, all the clubs who are successful, Pearson the Hull, they've got a wealthy backer. And if you haven't got that wealthy backer, you're going to struggle. And, you know, it's. I, I don't. I'd I hate to say it, but it's. Well, you know,
0: well Wakefield have been it's treading water on that respect for a long time, haven't they? And it's yeah. potentially going to bite us in the backside now.
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who came in from, uh, it was his it was a window company, wasn't it? Yeah, Glover. Glover the Colin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Glover. But well, I think he, he came in to sell conservatories and then bombed you off, didn't he? <laughs> Got a load of sales. Probably when they dried up a little bit, you thought, right, I've dried them out or go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was... You know, and then obviously, is it Michael Carter, isn't it? He? Yeah. He's coming. Uh, you know, I don't know what, I'm not going to go into any detail in case I say something that's that's wrong because I know that he's coming and really helped the club out. And what he's done for the club over the last, well, how long has it been now? Would you say eight it, years, it, 10 years? Yeah,
2: back, back
1: um, ten, now 10 years, I think. Yeah, he's, he's obviously uh, helped the club survive. Basically, and I don't think if it wasn't for Michael Cat, I don't think the club would have survived. So, hopefully, uh, it can continue. And, um, you know, there's you, you need a Wakefield team in Super League, don't you?
0: Mm, so, yeah. again, look, looking at your career, Ollie, just obviously, we've we've mentioned before about you know 515 first grade games of a over a career that spanned um, three different decades, but you've played the most games to Wakefield with 111. What what kind of stands out for you if you're going to do like a top three memories, top three things that stands out for you for your for your four seasons at Wakefield? What what would you say they are?
1: Obviously, making the Challenge Cup semi-final, finishing fifth in the league as well, and uh, it, this is sound really corny, but John giving me another opportunity, <laughs> um, and I absolutely loved it while I was there playing under John and I was playing some some of my best rugby and it, you know I, it's I miss it you know I miss it I miss rugby full stop never mind just Wakefield you know I love, I love the town I love living there you know it was uh, but it do not last forever does it
0: exactly are you aware of your career stats Ollie? I think it's
1: 516 career games
0: yeah do you know how many tries you got?
1: Hundred bangled. Bang on <laughs> hundred. Yeah. Well, not many. I'll be honest with
0: you. I think the last five were
1: <laughs> halfbacks going through the line, Cal Forber being him pretty much. Every time he made a break, I was flying up next to him. Ah, I give the ball. <laughs>
0: so, someone's gotta be there though. That's you with that yeah, guy. Yeah, right?
1: well, they didn't need to pass it to be fair.
0: <laughs> and you got so, eight goals as well. What you got five goals for Keithley, um one for Barrow and two for Scotland. Two for Scotland.
1: Yeah, I remember Danny Arnold. We had to win a game by five points in France or some, or lose by less than five points, uh, and we and we failed to do it. But he tried to do a kick, a penalty, and he scuffed it. It was probably nearer the corner flag than it was the goal. So I I, I personally sacked him. Uh, on the field from goal kicking and took over and kicked two goals. Two from two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go, 100%. And again, I, I, I don't have the calculations in front of me, but I bet there's not many players in, in the history of Rugby League first grade but forwards who've, who've scored 100 tries, more, more than 100 no, tries. You know, Steve, Menzies, Steve, Menzies, Steve Menzies, Menzies sticks out, but... you know, hey, He never played prop much. though, did he? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I bet he got more two, than 50 them mate, with prop. Two hat-tricks. Two actually remember who against,
1: yeah. One was in me last year against uh, no, it was, was slip Uh, Hunslet. Hunderslip. Well, oh, yeah. we went before we went with 14 men so Hunderslip, oh, we working on. Wow. uh, because we had that many injuries and we couldn't get anybody alone for various reasons. And I was actually a coach that day, <laughs> <laughs> so I picked myself and made myself made the lads pass me the ball. And no, it wasn't <laughs> like that. But yeah, I got that
0: trick and the other one was against Sheffield for Witness. Oh, brilliant stuff. And I know you mentioned it earlier as well, but twice you got double figures. You got ten in one you got ten in two thousand and three for Keithley and fifteen for, for Witnesses.
1: Yeah, Witness. no, Fantastic. I added a bit on. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, yeah. <laughs> exactly,
0: yeah. Why would you? <laughs> Superb. So again, Oleg, you know well Sheffield, Udersfield, Keithley, two spells at Lee, Whitehaven, Wigan, Widness, two spells at us at Wakey, Aliquins, Barrow, Workington, and Scotland, mate. You've had you've had a fantastic career. And, and anything, you know, if, if you had kind of one memory and one memory only, what stands out for you out of all of them, all of them games? Uh
1: I'm I'm gonna be very diplomatic here and say the big the highlight of my career was Scotland scoring the try for Scotland in the World Cup.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So Absolutely. I don't pick out any I don't single out any club there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ollie, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'll tell you, what, hang on before you go. One of go other, yeah, big, go for My, my
1: favourite try for Wakefield was at Witness. At Witness. At Witness.
0: Was it under meters sprint from, from, it was from uh, the halfway Dick line? <laughs> it was on the
1: halfway line. Uh Paul Sykes, give me a drop off or just a flat. I can't remember. Bumped off Eamon Amo, O'Carroll, Ben Cross tried to tackle me. Went through the gap. Saw Gareth Fox chasing me, shit me pants, and then try to run away from him. And then this second row had failed to tackle me, and I, I rounded Rhys Hanbury to score about ten meters in from try line to touch line. There
0: you go. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere.
1: <laughs> hey, it is because somebody from Wakefield keeps putting it on. I <laughs> oh, think yeah. it's great. <laughs>
0: Ollie, your heritage number one thousand two hundred and fifty-eight for, for Trinity. You've had one hundred and eleven games with eleven tries, and I'm sure many many memories stick in the in the mind of all sort of the supporters out there. But five hundred and fifteen games overall. Thank you very much for coming on the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. No problem, and I appreciate it. And I hope I wasn't too boring. Not at all, mate. Not at all. You're more than welcome <laughs> to come down to Bellevue at any point. And if you haven't already, come and come and collect your, your heritage certificate. That dad. No, I haven't of. done that, so I will get down to a game at some point. Excellent stuff. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 87 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram as well for real-time updates on the podcast. Massive thank you once again to my co-host, Lee Robinson. Thank you once again to Oliver Wilkes. I have been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Camille Triscamara. You have
1: been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!